Huckabee, Iowa Senator Joni Ernst, White House Advisor Larry Kudlow, comedian Orlando Baxter, and country music star Colin Ray. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! I looked over here. I'm almost afraid to ask, but Trey, is it possible you're in the midst of some kind of transformation? Of what on earth is on your face? Gov, I've decided to identify as a cat today. And no, that's not funny. It's uh, not this funny. Is true. No. I know how much you love them, so I thought you'd appreciate I am strictly a dog person. Uh, I got to tell you, that little pink nose, it, it does something for you. I'm not going to tell you what it does, but it does something for you. Yeah. I can only imagine what treasures may be found deep inside that mask of yours, but I really don't want to know. But I'm glad you're doing the right thing. We, we're all very careful here on the show. We really are. We wear our mask, except when we're on the stage, and we try to be careful. And this week, it's especially appropriate because it's Halloween weekend. But I got to tell you, I'm not nearly as frightened by ghosts and goblins as I am by the possibility that this country could vote our economy towards socialism, our police forces toward defunding, our neighborhoods toward riots and looting supported by elected officials, our gasoline prices toward doubling, abortions toward becoming more common, carried out late term or at the time of birth, and funded by our tax dollars or our policies toward the Middle East, moving back in favor of Iran instead of Israel, and our policies toward China, more to favoring big globalist corporations instead of American workers and businesses. Now, if voters really think their taxes are too low, you know what? They can voluntarily send in more money to the government. But some of us believe, right here, that government ought to get less and that our families ought to keep more of the money we went out and worked for. Yeah. Now, many of us, I'm sure, have already voted. My wife and I stood in line for over an hour in the rain to vote a week ago. I figured that way if a truck ran over me before election day, I could join all the other dead people who would be voting on election day. How about that? Yeah. I actually spoke to the president last Sunday, and I told him that he could be happy that there was nothing he could say or do that would now cost him my vote. Now, I want to be honest, how you vote is entirely your business. But the impact of your vote will affect my business and my life, and more importantly, the lives of my grandchildren. But it's not just the election of the president that even matters your local school board, your state legislature, your governor and your congressman and senator are likely on the line as well. Here's what that's going to impact. Which textbooks your children will study and whether they are taught that America is an awful racist country that breeds poverty 
Or will they be taught that it's the greatest experiment in freedom and the free market in history and that it has provided an imperfect but steady climb for women, people of color, and people with disabilities to the highest attainment of any country in history? One of those will be taught. So if you haven't voted yet, what will make you vote a certain way? Is it the personality of the candidates? Is it what the media says? Or do you actually try to find out what the candidates have done? Not what they've said, but what they've actually done. Because if you vote only for the nice smile or the sweet speech, you might be voting for a wolf in sheep's clothing. See, I'd rather have a sheep in wolf's clothing. Now, please don't think your vote is worthless or doesn't matter, because it does matter. And if you don't vote, you lose your right to complain about how things are going to go in the coming years. Who controls the Senate matters a lot. And if you want to restructure the Supreme Court so that a lot more liberal justices can just make up law, vote for the Democrats. But remember that it was liberals on the courts who took prayer and Bible reading out of schools. They were the ones that made abortion so easy that it protects the abortion doctor, but not the innocent baby. They said that states had to accept same-sex marriage even when the citizens of those states said they wanted to protect biblical marriage. So if your elected representatives want to do these things, that's one thing. You elected them, and if you want them to do those things, they can. But the judicial branch should not be making law by legislating in black robes. So if you haven't voted, please do, but follow the advice that we give at My Faith Votes, which is a national nonpartisan group that I'm honorary chair of. We remind people to pray, think, vote. You should genuinely pray about your vote. And then think about it by doing your homework and then go and vote. But regardless of how the election turns out, God is bigger than any election. Bigger than any person, any party, any policy. God is even bigger than the press. So even if Christians get clobbered by politicians and we end up suffering for our stands, we should remember God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But let's still pray, think, and vote. Well, my first guest tonight is in the final stretch of one of the most closely watched Senate races in the country. And it's also one of the most expensive Senate races in history, and certainly in Iowa, as Democrat candidates all throughout the country are awash in money trying to take control of the Senate. Now, my guest has also been in the news lately as a key supporter on the Senate Judiciary Committee and the recent successful confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett as the newest Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. I caught up with Senator Joni Ernst earlier this week to find out what's happening on the ground in the great state of Iowa. Senator, let's talk about how much money has been put in this race. It is a staggering amount of money, about $100 million, a record for Iowa and for most states. Why have the Democrats put such a bullseye on your back? Well, of course, Mike, and, and thank you so much. Um, they seriously want to take 
the Senate majority back. And to do that, they have to target these swing states. And I am in one of those swing states in Iowa. But what they want to do is put in place my opponent, who is supported heavily by these outside Democratic organizations coming from the uh, coasts. They want radical environmentalism. They want extreme abortionism. They want to roll back our Second Amendment rights, and they want to raise taxes. I could go on and on and on, Mike, and they have found the exact person to do that in my opponent, Teresa Greenfield. Senator, when I was with you a few weeks ago, you were on a uh, ride across Iowa on uh, a Harley motorcycle. Now, I want to make sure the audience knows I did not join you on a Harley motorcycle. I'm not <laughs> as tough as you are. I, I have to be very honest about it. But you must have heard from a lot of Iowa voters uh, their frustration with how many dollars are coming in from out of state, not from Iowa voters, not from Iowa donors, but from people from California and New York who are trying to uh, pick a new senator that lives in Iowa. Uh, what are they telling you when you're out there in, uh, in a state with which I'm quite familiar, by the way? Yes, Mike, they are telling me that they are extremely frustrated with outside interests. People from New York City and San Francisco and Washington, D.C., coming in trying to buy their votes and to influence them through lies and smears, the outrageous ad campaigns that they have had going on. And it is, it's a lot of money coming from people that can't even vote in the state of Iowa. Miss Greenfield, when you go through her itemized um, contributions, over 90% of those are from out of state. And the top metro areas supporting this Greenfield are New York, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. It tells me she doesn't represent Iowa interests. And as I stated before, they are looking for someone that will go into the United States Senate, follow exactly what Chuck Schumer wants her to do, and she has proven she is more than willing to do that. Matter of fact, AOC was on CNN earlier today stating how we needed to get rid of Republicans like Joni Ernst put in place Teresa Greenfield so we can get rid of the bipartisanship. Um, Iowans don't like that. We don't need an AOC lookalike moving into uh, this seat in the United States Senate. I, I can't imagine that the AOC endorsement has gone over real big with uh, conservative voters or even moderate voters in Iowa. It's a, it's a relatively conservative state, even among Democrats. Uh, certainly not radical, not socialistic. I can't imagine that that's the best thing that uh, your opponent has going for her is that AOC has endorsed her and has told everybody to get rid of you. Yes, and Mike, that's the sad thing about it is I am ranked as one of the most bipartisan senators from any state of either party over the last 25 years. That was a Georgetown University ranking. Um, so Iowans know that I am fighting hard for them. Uh, but when you have Miss Greenfield, who is being backed by Chuck Schumer and AOC, representing New York City interests, it doesn't play well with our Iowa voters. They want to know there's someone there in place fighting for our farmers, fighting for our veterans, fighting for our working families. And that's certainly not what AOC wants Teresa Greenfield to do in the United States Senate. She has endorsed the, uh, the plan that Joe Biden and others in the Democrats uh, have put forth in the Senate that would get rid of all uh, cars running on uh, yes. uh, various biofuels and, and 
oil and gas in 15 years. What would that do to the biofuel industry in your state of Iowa? And I have a feeling I know the answer, but I want to hear it directly. How does that affect the people of Iowa and the farmers of Iowa? You know the answer, Mike, and the answer is that our biofuels industry would go away. Uh, if that plan goes into place uh, as AOC, as Chuck Schumer, as Teresa Greenfield want it to go into place, it would wipe out the internal combustion engine. There goes our ethanol, there goes our biodiesel, there goes the biofuels industry, as well as uh, a huge consumer of our soybeans, our corn, 40% of the corn that is grown in the state of Iowa is used in corn ethanol. So this would be a devastating loss for our farmers. And as you stated, uh, we've already seen Democrats moving in that direction. So we know that's exactly where Teresa Greenfield will go because her backers want to get rid of our biofuels industry. And I would remind everyone that on the Environment and Public Works Committee, it was our vice presidential candidate for the Democratic Party, Senator Kamala Harris, that voted no on E15 year round. Our Iowa farmers need to know the truth about Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Teresa Greenfield. And if they want to fight back, they can go to my website, joniernst.com. I was going to ask, how can people get in touch with you? Because it's not just Iowa voters that uh, that need to be concerned. This is a, a, a huge Senate race for everybody in the country who is a conservative, who's pro-life, who want to see veterans taken care of. You yourself served in the military, so uh, it's not something abstract to you. Uh, I really appreciate your being with us, and I hope that people will go to JoniErnst.com, uh, get familiar with your campaign, the issues and help you as best they can in these final days before the election. Absolutely, and thank you for your support, Mike. I truly appreciate it. Our Senate's at stake, and more than that, our great United States of America is at stake. So I appreciate everybody's support. Thank you, Senator. Great to talk to you, and uh, I hope it's a, a victory on Tuesday night. God bless and all the best. God bless you. God bless you, Mike. Thank you. So very glad to have Senator Joni Ernst with us, and I am so grateful for her advocacy and strong support for Amy Coney Barrett, a real wonderful addition to the U.S. Supreme Court. What a godsend she is. And for full disclosure, I have campaigned with Senator Ernst this year, and I did it six years ago when she won her first term, and I endorsed her. Now, we would have welcomed her Democrat opponent, but we have had no interest expressed from that campaign. Coming up, White House Chief Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow. More Huckabee is on the way. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what, that was Michael Jackson's and the Jackson 5's I Want You Back. Anybody remember that? Huh? Yeah, you do. Trey Corley, Music City Connection, did a fine job on that. Give him a big Thank hand you. as we come back. Yeah. And he's not wearing that ridiculous cat mask anymore, which makes me happy. Yes, it does. 
We could do without that, that's for sure. Hey, you may recall that congressional candidate Kim Klasik visited this show a few weeks ago. We had such a good time visiting with her. Her run for the House of Representatives has been a masterclass in using viral media to go from unknown to serious contender in a district that has long been solidly blue. Uh, was represented for some 23 years by Democrat Elijah Cummins. Now, this week, she appeared on TBN's show called Praise with Matt and Lori Crouch, where she picked up an endorsement from someone who knows firsthand the challenges that face that district's residents. And that's Baltimore's very own Mike Rowe. After the Baltimore Sun published a scathing editorial dismissing Kim's analysis of the ills brought by decades of Democrat control of Baltimore, they called it ludicrous and overly simple. Mike Rowe decided to break his custom of publicly maintaining political neutrality. Take a look. There are consequences in this life, and uh, elections certainly have consequences, and policies have consequences. We're simply asking the question, are there consequences to specific policies being enacted over half a century? I think a reasonable person would say, well, well sure there are. But the paper of record said, no, of course they're not. And that's what made me say, we shouldn't ignore this. Very good, Micro. I'm uh, happy to see you joining us in recognizing what a really uh, delightful candidate Kim Klasik is. It's great to see the support that Kim is getting from people all over the place who really know the Baltimore area. And it's certainly a race that we're going to be watching, one that would be a shocker if it turned out for her. We're hopeful. Hey, we know all too well the economy has been hit hard by the pandemic. President Trump says we've had the best economy we've ever had. That's before the plague came in from China. And now voters have a choice between what the president says will be a super recovery or a Biden depression. I sat down this week with White House Chief Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow to break down what the election means for you and for your family's pocketbook. Larry, Nancy Pelosi has essentially just been unwilling to take yes for an answer when it comes to the stimulus package. What's going on with her? What is it she wants that she refuses to, uh, to accept? Well, uh, there's a number of areas, policy uh, problems that they just can't yet come together. I, I don't want to rule anything out or rule anything in at this stage. Secretary Mnuchin's still talking to Speaker Pelosi, but... I think some of the points, Governor, um, she wants some kind of, it's an odd story, sort of testing protocol or guidelines protocol. And we're not really sure because Mnuchin agreed to part of it, but there were wording issues. You know, we don't, we don't have the authority uh, to mandate various things. That's all done at the state level, as, as you know sure. quite well as former governor of Arkansas. So that's one issue. Then there is a big spending issue regarding state and local governments. President Trump does not want to bail out poorly managed states or their pension funds. That's still uh, a key issue. A another issue, surprisingly to me, um, we want to provide an investment tax credit uh, for onshoring companies uh, that maybe come back from China to the U.S. or come to the U.S. for the first time. We'd like to help them along with our very low corporate tax rates and deregulation. This is a great place to invest. Um, apparently, they don't want to have an onshoring provision. So, you know, this is a weird story because I'll tell you what, 
We're going to have a very strong economic recovery. It's a V-shaped recovery. Uh, the third quarter number is going to be reported out on Thursday. It's going to be a strong number. Uh, we reckon it's going to be around 20% plus. But having said that, we should use some help on unemployment assistance. You know, we, we put roughly half the workers back to work. We could use some unemployment assistance. Our executive order on that's going to run out. Uh, everybody agrees about small business help, the PPP. There's $135 billion of money unspent. All I have to do is repurpose it and appropriate it. Uh, the airlines need some money. We'd love to put some money into the uh, K-12 through schools uh, for COVID-related expenses. Those things are things that everybody agrees with. They would help. And yet, we can't seem to get the House uh, to move on this. And they're being very stubborn. And um, it's really a matter of ideology and politics. And I don't disrespect their ideology. I disagree with it. But I'm just saying, do that another time. Why do we have to do that now? Let's do what we need to do right now. It could be done very fast. So the whole thing's kind of a difficult story. Not over yet, I might add. Well, you know, it's almost as if uh, we got a lot of hungry people. And the question is, is Nancy Pelosi willing to give them half a sandwich today and work on the other half later, it sounds like it's an all-or-nothing proposition for her. And usually when you uh, push for all-or-nothing, you get nothing. And, and that's what's frustrating, I think, to many of us who want people who are in desperate need for the help to be able to get it. I, I want to talk about the contrast between these two presidential candidates. We are uh, hours now away from the election. If Joe Biden were to be elected, what's going to be different than if Donald Trump gets elected in terms of our economy and how it affects my household and the average household of people out there in the country? Well, I'll tell you what. We've uh, been using estimates from the uh, Hoover Institute out at Stanford University. And um, if Mr. Biden gets his across-the-board tax hikes and his re-regulation, I mean, they basically want to take over government takeover of health care and energy, uh, no oil and natural gas, for example. Um, if they put that through... The estimates are the average family, middle-income family, earning $69,000, $70,000 a year, who prospered under Trump, who increased their uh, incomes by $6,500 in the president's first three years pre-pandemic. That's five times what happened in the prior eight years. That will disappear. They will lose $6,500 right off the top in terms of real wages. The GDP would probably contract, fall by 10%, and we would lose at least 5 million jobs. So the stakes are very high. Mr. Biden has a program which is basically stagnation and decline and pessimism. President Trump is going to further cut tax rates, right? He's pledged a middle-class tax cut that we are working on. Uh, we will make permanent the business tax cuts and add some onshoring incentives. He will continue his deregulation. He will protect energy independence. He will continue to make fair and reciprocal trade deals. And we think 2021 can be a blockbuster year on the economy and on out. Larry, final question about the stock market. Every time there's a, a little uh, hiccup in Washington, whether it's uh, Nancy Pelosi rejecting an agreement or uh, you know, a delay with uh, Supreme Court justice. The stock market reacts. I, I guess I sometimes don't understand. I'm a simple guy. Uh, the stock market is a long-term uh, market, not a short-term yes. market. Why yeah. do people go and sell off their stocks just because of one little hiccup in one single hour of a day? Isn't that ridiculous to do when they ought to be looking at this long-term? 
Well, I happen to agree with you about long-term investing, by the way. I think you bet on America in the long run, and it pays off over 30, 40 years. That's what all the uh, empirical data show. The market has been signaling, look, since the pandemic lows, Governor, the stock market is up about 55%. It's a remarkable comeback, and I think it's signaling a strong V-shaped recovery. The U.S. is improving its outlook. That's what stocks are telling us. I personally believe we should not swap horses in midstream. I, of course, believe POTUS is going to win. I support him. That's obvious, not breaking news. But I think the stock market does not want a heavy new burden of taxes and regulations and an attack on energy. So we will see. You know, right now the market is trying to forecast the future. It's not an easy thing. Stocks for the long run, sir, I'm with you. That's the best way to play it. Well, I, I'm hoping that uh, American families will realize that uh, having a tax increase affecting their household income is not something they really should embrace right now. Larry Kudlow, great to see you. Thank you for joining us again. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking for many, many months ahead on the uh, growing American economy. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All best. Well, the economics of the country are usually what drives an election. It's certainly going to be interesting to see this week if that holds true again. Thanks to Larry Kudlow for being with us. It's always a pleasure speaking with him. He does such a great job of making great sense out of nonsense. And boy, that's something we need now more than ever. After the break, all the news that seems too ridiculous to be real. And Mike's in case you missed it. And later, comedian Orlando Baxter. You're watching Huckabee. Hey, welcome back. Hey, Keith, I yes, hope sir. you have had a good week because I've given Trey a little trouble today about his mask and also what's been happening Trey with you. Trey is so easy to give trouble to. Well, he, he is. He just attracts it, you know. He, like, you know, kind of like honey would attract flies and mosquitoes <laughs> and stuff like that. That's yeah. about the same. Well, well, you know, know, I, I discovered something. What did you discover? Really fascinating this week. What? You know, during the pandemic, you watch a lot of movies. You watch a lot of movies you haven't seen in a long time. You watch yeah. them again. I found out. I watched Star Wars. Uh-huh. Yoda. You remember the little oh, guy? Sure. Yoda? Yeah. Was the very little weird wise. guy. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. He has a last name. No kidding. I didn't know what it was, but uh, I found out. No kidding. Yeah. You mean Yoda? It's, yeah. It's Lehuhu. Yoda what? Yoda Lehuhu. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't think that was in the Star Wars movie, Keith. That, that, I got that on good. I got that on the internet. I got to be honest. I think it's hard to believe that this Yoda news wasn't page front one all over the world. But it probably was one time. I'm sure that that probably slipped your notice this week. <laughs> well, from supposed canine smugglers to ridiculous get-ups, we've got the news stories that'll put you on high spirits on In Case You Missed It. All right, this first story is a real howl. During the final debate, President Trump referred to coyotes smuggling children across the border. Well, I know that smuggling, uh, smuggling, mocking Trump for things that he didn't actually say is now the definition of late night comedy. But leave it to the professionals. 
a slew of prominent leftists rushed to Twitter to mock Trump for being so stupid that he thinks that a coyote can carry a human across the border. You know, a four-legged coyote. And one of them was anti-gun crusader David Hogg, who, let me be clear, is not actually a hog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people gleefully informed them that a coyote is a criminal who smuggles people across the border. Even elected officials got in on the can-you-believe-this-guy action with Georgia state lawmaker Darshan Kendrick tripping over herself to call out the president with her mocking tweet directing him to stop talking. Her time might be better spent if she would start reading. I mean, the Twitter mob was more like Wiley Coyote, who thought that he was some kind of super genius, even though everything he did blew up in his face. So now that we've cleared this up, I'll bet all those brilliant anti-Trumpers will be getting back to wondering how drug mules get past airport oh, no. security <laughs> without their iron <laughs> shoes setting off the metal detectors. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. It is Halloween, but because of the coronavirus, some places ban trick-or-treating. So are we saying that wearing masks isn't effective? I mean, I think that's the whole point of Halloween, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the Mack family of York County, Pennsylvania, invented a new way to hand out candy safely during a pandemic. Well, sort of safely. It is called the Candy Pult. It is a catapult that hurls the candy to kids while they remain at a safe distance. Oh, that looks like fun. Wow. Isn't that wild? Trey, we got to have one of those. I know, I need one. You know what I was going to say, though? It'll put out your eye. It'll put out your <laughs> eye. If you really want to keep them at a safe distance, just hurl broccoli at them. That'll keep them away. Yeah. Anyway, the candy pulp makes trick-or-treating safe. That is, unless it's loaded with hard candy. But the dad, Vince Mack, said with everything going on, they wanted to give people something to laugh at. And the candy pulp will deliver even some Snickers. But don't count on this to save Thanksgiving dinner. You don't want to use it to pass the mashed potatoes. Ooh, that would make a mess. Face full of potatoes on that one. I don't How about think a little that's... gravy mixed in? Mm. <laughs> anyway, good news for Peanuts fans. The Great Pumpkin finally appeared. Travis Geinger of Anoka, Minnesota, was going out of his gourd during the pandemic. See what I did there? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I caught that. Anyway, so he used all that free time to water his backyard pumpkin patch 10 times a day and feed it fertilizer twice a day. Result? He squashed the competition in California's Half Moon Bay Pumpkin Contest by growing a pumpkin that weighs 2,350 pounds over uh, a ton. That wow. is one big pumpkin. Hey, you know what? I think he sped that pumpkin so much manure, it was like having MSNBC on 24 hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. He now plans, <laughs> he plans to hollow it out and sell it for $2 million as a house in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. One of those tiny houses. Yeah, and somebody will probably buy it yeah. for that. It'd be a bargain in San Francisco. Finally, since it's Halloween, let's take a look at some of this year's more unique costumes. First, from spirithalloween.com. If the Halloween forecast in your area is for happy little clouds, you could go out dressed as a Bob Ross painting. There you go. There, yeah, mm. I like that. 
I don't think that works for you, Keith. You don't think? Or you could dress up as one of the most influential people in America today. An angry white female liberal. All it takes is a Karen name tag and a T-shirt that reads, Can I speak to the manager? <laughs> Finally, the costume of the year for 2020 from PartyCity.com is the fake news reporter. If you can't afford it, just wear your regular blazer and put a CNN name tag on it. You're good to go. Oh. Yeah. All right. It is time for us to give up the ghost, but always remember, we read the news. So you don't have to. Funny Man Orlando Baxter is coming up after the break. Stay with us. Next week, honoring our veterans with Michael Reagan and music by Jeannie Seeley and Bill Anderson and Steve Warner. Well, just last week, I launched the People's Podcast. And if you haven't subscribed, I hope you will. I'll give insight to the news of the week, visit it linked with some interesting guests, and always have some fun things about the world that we live in. To get the People's Podcast, go to quakemedia.com slash Mike. That's all you got to do. Well, Orlando Baxter went from high school teacher to one of the hottest comics around. He's performed at clubs and colleges and comedy festivals all over the world. He's been on Conan O'Brien's show and BET's 50 Central and has his own dry bar comedy special called Glorified Babysitter. I want you to welcome the hilarious Orlando Baxter. Thank you. Thank you. My name is uh, Orlando Baxter, and if you can't tell by my accent, uh, I'm, I'm black, so... I know that's uh, obvious to most of you guys in here, but uh, Orlando's a Hispanic name. So sometimes I get confused for being Hispanic, and it's always interesting because they'll get real excited. You know, I'll be like, hi, my name is Orlando, and they'll be like, Orlandito. Orlandito, que vaso? And then I have to tell them the truth, sorry, I'm, I'm basketball black, not baseball black. It's different. So, yeah, yeah. One thing I, I realized uh, over the last couple of years is there's a lot of people don't, that don't realize that black people also use sunblock. I don't, <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know how many times I've been to the beach and people just have this weird expression on their face like, why is he putting yogurt on his skin, right? <laughs> and I remember the first time it happened, like I was in North Carolina, I was on my way to the beach and I, I stopped into a store and I asked this lady at the counter, I said, hey ma'am, can you point me in the aisle where the sunblock's at? And she looked at me and said, for what? <laughs> I didn't know if she was messing with me or not, so I was like, because I got a white girl tied up in my trunk. <laughs> which, which is rude, but why should I be the only one uncomfortable in the situation, right? And she goes, I didn't mean it like that. I wasn't trying to be rude or offensive or anything. Please forgive me. And I did, whatever. But I did think it was a little bit weird because if I did have a white girl tied up in the trunk, she didn't care, which is. <laughs> and then she goes, you know, I had no idea black people use sunblock. And at this point in the conversation, I probably should have walked away, but I was curious. <laughs> 
I was like, what do you think we use? She said, no, 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 I won't say. I said, come on, tell me. I ain't going to tell anybody. I was lying, right? She goes, no, I just thought y'all had the ability. I said, ability? Hmm. Like a superhero or something? She said, no, not like a superhero. I just thought y'all had the ability to absorb the sun. I said, what? I've never heard that before in my life. I couldn't get mad at her, though. I just looked at her, and I said, lady, listen. I don't know where you get that information from, but just because we're darker than you doesn't mean our skin's made out of solar panels, you know? <laughs> you think black people go to the beach all day to charge up, just be laying out there? <laughs> Come on, son, give it to me so I can run faster. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I was a high school teacher for 12 years. That was, that was, uh, that was cool. You guys don't care about education? Awesome. <laughs> It was interesting. I had a, I had a weird job. Uh, I was the in-school suspension teacher. That was tough, you know. Sometimes I feel bad for some of the kids they would send me. Like one time they sent me a kid from ESL. You know what that is? English is a second language. And they sent him to me because he accidentally broke a window in class. So I'm looking at the referral. I say, Jose, how you accidentally break a window in class? He said, it's not my fault. It's not my fault, the T-shirt. He called his teacher a T-shirt, by the way. I thought that was funny. <laughs> he said, the T-shirt. The T-shirt said to me to, to crack the window. <laughs> so. I said, what? He said, the T-shirt said to me to crack the window. And I say, are you sure you want me to crack the window? She say, yes, I, I cracked the window. It's not my fault. <laughs> and listen, as a teacher, you're not supposed to laugh. I laugh my behind off, man. <laughs> you ever laugh so hard you fart a little bit? Anyone? Is this? Oh. <laughs> then I started feeling bad for the kid. Not because he broke the window. Not because I farted in his face. I felt bad because I was like, man, what if this kid doesn't change? Can you imagine that? Ten years later, he's doing the same thing. He's at the police station. The cop's like, Jose, why'd you shoot that Chinese man? He's like, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. They both said to me, do you want a cappuccino? And I said... <laughs> hey, you guys have been awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I was so wondering where you were going with that. Yeah, that, took, that is funny. <laughs> you taught public school. Yes, I did. So were you funny then in school? Um, no, the, no, according to the kids, I was not. But clearly, I'm here. Clearly, you are. I've, I've made it. But now do you go back and do comedy for students in schools and stuff? Not necessarily for students, but I did start something called uh, Orlando Baxton Friends, where I decided to, you because know, teaching is such a hard job, it's such a stressful job, and teachers are very, are always concerned about, like, the mental health of the students, yeah. just their, their, their well-being. They don't really think about themselves sometimes. They don't need their own self-care. So I created this show where I go to different school districts across the country. Uh, it's on Zoom, and, uh, you know, I, I put together a show with all my comedy friends uh, just for teachers. It's a very private show. 
but it's been doing really well. And in fact, I'll be in Nashville doing Nashville, Metro Nashville yeah. Public Schools in Shelby County uh, next, this Thursday coming up. So November 5th. That's pretty cool. So the teachers, the faculty, the administrators get a chance to laugh a little bit, which they desperately need, especially in 2020, because hadn't been enough funny stuff going on. Exactly. You know? So so that's it's it's a it's a good thing. It's something that's very close to my heart. And um, you know, as a teacher too, you know, we'd have appreciation week once a year. Yeah. And it was always like a crappy appreciation <laughs> gift, like a, a thank you card or a mini candy cane that was always broken. Yeah. They were like, we appreciate you. So this was like an opportunity for me to do something nice for teachers. And uh it's a mainly a, it's a free show, but uh, we do like uh, it's a free show for teachers to sign up. But uh, there's a limited spot. That, so. that is awesome. We only got about 15 seconds left, but yep. I got to ask you: Were you the class clown when you were in school as a kid? No, I wasn't. You weren't. I was. I was the quiet kid, but I was always telling jokes inside my head. Inside your head. Yes. And then one day you walked out on the stage, and here we go. And now you are a very very funny guy. We are very happy to have you here. Thank you. Would you come back sometime? I definitely would. I okay, had a you time. heard you it. He's awesome. coming back. Orlando Baxter, everybody. Thank you. Well, you can find Orlando's special called Glorified Babysitter on Dry Bar Comedy. And for his podcast, his tour schedule, live Zoom show information, and a whole lot more, visit his website, orlandobaxter.com. Check him out on social media. I think you'll enjoy the laughter. Think you're having fun watching Huckabee on screen? Just wait till you experience it in person. Go to Huckabee.tv and reserve your free tickets to be part of our studio audience. We look forward to seeing you in Nashville. Franklin Graham said, I want every child to know there is a God who loves them through Operation Christmas Child. The shoeboxes that Samaritan's Purse puts together provide boys and girls with fun Christmas gifts that they'll love, as well as some practical items to improve their daily lives. Most importantly, they give them the hope of the gospel. I hope you'll reach out to one of these wonderful gifts through Samaritan's Purse. You can prep a shoebox or give a generous financial gift by calling them or by visiting their website. And I want to just tell you, God bless you for making a difference in the lives of children in need. Well, Colin Ray is a country music hit maker charting over 15 number one songs. He's got a new album coming out November the 20th. It's entitled Scars. It includes collaborations with Miranda Lambert and Vince Gill. And it is his first album of all brand new material in more than a decade. Here to tell us about it is a longtime friend of mine and my family's Colin Ray. So good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you so much. I love the setup in here. Now. You know, it, it's really I nice, it. and these great people make it so much fun. It makes all the difference, because I was watching the show when you didn't yeah. have an audience, and it, it's just like uh, some of the virtual things we've done. Yes. That's just to do. Can you do a virtual concert? It's like, <laughs> I guess. A Zoom call, without, you know? Without you guys, it, it's, there's nothing. There is nothing. It makes a huge <laughs> difference. That's why we love makes these folks the at the end here. Makes all the difference. You know, I've told you many times that uh, all of my children, all three of them, can basically recite the lyrics to all of your songs because my wife, every day taking them to school and picking them up from school, was playing Colin Ray records oh, back oh. in uh, the, the day. And, God bless her. You know, I always love the fact your music is very personal. It, Thank you. It, it has a message, and that's one of the reasons I think you've had such a successful career. This album 
pretty special because you wrote or co-wrote everything on the album. Yes, and that's the first time I've ever had that assignment before my producer, David Ferguson. We were, uh, the label wanted, Audion wanted me to do a, an Americana record. And at first I thought, now what exactly is that? Because I know it's kind of bluegrass, it's kind of R&B, it's kind of country, it's kind of folk. And I thought, well, this, this could be fun, yeah. you know? And, and uh, to me, that just means no rules. Hmm. And so, no, 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 in other words, the, uh, the music doesn't have to be, what's cut one can be far different than cut two and so forth. And so uh, he said, I only want to do stuff you wrote. And so with the exception of two songs that my brother Scotty wrote, uh, the one we're doing tonight and, and another song that he wrote, uh, uh, I wrote or co-wrote everything on it. And, and it, was, it was so much fun just to remember that I could do that. <laughs> Because it had been a while, you know, since I've spent that much time writing. And it's pretty cool. Miranda Lambert is one of the guest uh, features on your uh, new album, Scars, as is Vince Gill. And I know they're just, I've known Miranda since she was 17. And uh, my brother, that's the reason I got her on the album really is because of my brother. Because he's, he's been with her, he was her original band, just ah, him. Wow. And when <laughs> she was a kid. And, and uh, so he's been with her ever since. And, and she had, was going to record this, the song Scars uh, a couple of times. She's never got around to doing it. So I finally said, Scotty, I'm, I'm going to cut it. And then he got Miranda to come sing with me on it, which was awesome. And Vince is just, I mean, the guy, he, what a just, talent. He's, oh, oh. he just keeps on going. He's an eagle now. Yeah. And, he's, and he still it, well, t took the time to, to come uh, sing on a song called Rodeo Girl with me. And uh, so it's, it's great having friends like that uh, collaborate and just, it, I don't know, it just adds an element of coolness to the record. You know, we got 20 seconds left, but tell me, the, the song we're going to do, Scars, mm -hmm. special song, why? Well, I, I, my, like I said, my brother wrote it about 20 years ago, and we've been holding on to it for yeah. that long. And I just think the timing is so good because it's, it's a song that everyone can relate to. And we cut this before the pandemic started. Mm. We didn't know this was going to happen, but I think it even has more meaning now considering the scars, the emotional scars that people have had with the lockdown and losing their jobs, many people losing their life savings and trying to survive this, getting sick, et cetera, fearing for loved ones, et cetera. Uh, so I think the song is, the timing could not be better for it. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. And Colin's album, Scars, is going to be available everywhere music is sold and streamed on November the 20th, but you can pre-order your copy, which I highly recommend that you do, so that you'll have it on the 20th. Order your copy, pre-order, at colinray.com. After the show, go to huckabee.tv. We're gonna give you a bonus song of Colin Ray. You know the song, Love Me, one of his great, great hits. I'm gonna be performing with Colin Ray right after the break, so do not go away. Now, here to perform with Trey Corley in the Music City Connection with Mike on bass is Colin Ray. Some are deep, some are not. Some never heard at all Some heard a lot Some are there From our mistakes And are all that's left to show Of the choices that we've made Even the ones too small to notice Are there to remind us who we 
become a part of me all I know is here and now yesterday's gone and we've made it through somehow looking back I'm glad I took my chances they were worth at least enough to leave a mark if But it means a lot to know where we'll start with these scars, these scars. 